here with Christy Reed. Christy, welcome to the Ward family. Thanks. So Christy, where did you grow up? Well, I was born here in California. I was born in the Central Valley in Visalia. When I was three, my parents moved to Idaho, to Teton Valley, and that's where I grew up. Spent my youth. We moved a few times when I was in high school due to couple with my dad's job and uh, my mom wanting to go back to school but that's where, where I grew up. And was it a job that took your family to Idaho? So my dad grew up in Nevada and my mom grew up in Wyoming and after they graduated they moved from college they moved to California and I think they both longed for a little more open space and it was actually my mom's dad who found the piece of property that my parents ended up buying and convinced my dad to come look at it and the story goes that he decided and did it kind of without my mom really seeing it. I mean she kind of knew what life was like there but I think they both wanted to get back to kind of a little more a little more space, a little more rural life. So And did you like that? Was that a good setting for you in terms of being in more of a rural open space area or you know, truthfully growing up I didn't like it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, there were parts of it I loved, right? I really loved my community. I felt loved by my community. All my teachers knew me, knew all my siblings. And my ward, I still go back to that ward and people ask me how I'm doing, they know me. But I think there were parts of it growing up. It seemed very small town. It seemed I had cousins who lived in Mesa, Arizona, which seemed like so big town to me, you know, Bellevue, Washington. and they would kind of come and poo-poo um, where we lived. So I felt a little self-conscious about it. And I was excited for the chance. I think when I graduated, I was excited for the chance to leave. But looking back, and now obviously I take my kids there every summer, it was wonderful, a wonderful place to grow up. As you were growing up, I mean, you mentioned that there was a pretty close-knit community within the, your ward. And you know, it sounds like people took a pretty active interest in you kind of as an individual. What was it like in those primary and young women's years? There were like four or five kids in my class. We were all baptized the same day in the summertime. And I still am in touch with a couple of them, not on a super close basis. but And then young women's was, yeah, just a great experience. In fact, I was home this summer and one of my old young women's leaders came up to me and she just said, oh, I just remember you. I met my kids and in the family that I grew up in, I'm in the middle of six and so I had older siblings and I had younger siblings. So when I would come into young women's or come into school, I felt like people already kind of knew who I was. And my older siblings, my two older sisters were really great people. So I felt like I kind of had something to live up to and something to kind of pass on. For my younger siblings. I felt like people already kind of liked me, you know, when I showed up. That was a great feeling. And what sorts of things did you like to do as you were growing up? Were there certain interests that you had or activities that you were really active in? We grew up in a very rural area and people always think that we had a farm or we had animals and we, we really didn't. We had a dog that was an outside dog that kind of fended for himself. But we really, my parents, it's really important for them, for us to have a good relationship with each other. We lived eight miles outside of town, and so my friends really were my sisters, and we did a lot of imaginary play when I was younger. And then when I was in high school, 
we worked together in the summer and really they were my best friends. I had friends at school, but my siblings were really good friends. And we also didn't have a lot of money growing up. So even though we lived close to a ski hill, we didn't really do downhill skiing. It was expensive. We did stuff like cross country skiing and you know stuff that we could do outside just when we walked outside. I did dance in high school and cheerleading in junior high, stuff like that. Music, played the clarinet, piano, just kind of normal. No dramatic talents came out of that time period. <laughs> and in terms of that kind of early faith development, were there certain pivotal experiences that you had or did you feel like in terms of gaining a testimony, was it just a more gradual process? My parents provided me such a stable upbringing. They really loved each other and they really loved us. I think one of the things that stands out most to me as far as my spiritual growth growing up was on Sundays we would have what we called devotional. My dad would prepare something and we would sit and we would talk and my parents are really good about sharing something and then asking us what we thought. And no matter what we shared, they always found a way to make it seem like that was a really, what, what a great insight, you know, what a great thing you just thought as you put these things together. So that gave me a lot of confidence in my own kind of gospel progression. And I felt really safe, right? I felt really loved and like, you know, what, what ideas you have and the, and the way you're going is good. So that was really wonderful. And I feel like another, I guess, time for me that was another spiritual spurt for me was when we moved here. And um, Matt and I had been married a couple of years and we moved into the Heritage Jokes ward that was, it was a ginormous ward. Lots of really high caliber people. And there were some people who gave me the opportunity to serve and I felt like just trusted me and similarly to what my parents did gave me those opportunities and helped me feel like you know you're, you're doing a good job and I felt like it was sort of my adult experience in the gospel and it was it was wonderful really great and so having grown up there in Idaho then where did you go off to school at that point I went to BYU there was I think 45 in my graduating class and I was the only one who went to BYU and I loved it had a great experience at BYU. And what did you study there? I studied journalism. And why did you choose to study that? I always loved writing. Writing was something I wrote. I, I did a lot of creative writing in high school and felt good at it. And didn't necessarily love English per se, like studying English, but I loved the writing aspect. So I don't even remember if it was a teacher or who kind of suggested journalism. I wrote for my, my town newspaper growing up. It was a great fit. My dad was very much like, have a skill when you graduate that you can find a job, not just some sort of nebulous thing. So that also fit that bill. I loved it. Worked for the Day of the Universe on campus and that was super fun. Got a job at the Mesa Tribune in Arizona after I graduated and worked there for a while. And at BYU, I was, well, I was the morning editor there for a while, which at that time was stories would come in and you'd kind of sift through what, what should be followed up on. And I was on the, well, I did a couple different things. I was on the lifestyle 
and then I was also on the police beat for a while at BYU. So you would think that not a lot happens, but it was interesting to kind of be on that and kind of see what some of the things that happened there. And then in Mesa, I was a copy editor down there. So, you know, you kind of, once the stories come in, you're the one who's editing and getting it ready to to go into the paper. And so while you were at BYU, is there a particular story that is like a favorite or, you know, one that kind of stands out or is maybe a little unusual or? Probably not for this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, nothing bad. Just probably the most memorable were the police beat ones, which aren't that spiritually uplifting. But they were really interesting to see how that side of a school worked. And sometimes you feel, as a journalist, sometimes you feel somewhat callous because you hear lots of bad things that are going on. And I can remember a newsroom one night just joking about this story that had come in and we were thinking all kinds of crazy headlines that were just you know would never make it but it was it helped us blow off a lot of steam so that's probably the most memorable outside of writing for the newspaper you mentioned that you had a really great experience there it sounds like you really loved your time at BYU what were some of the other things that caused BYU to be a good fit for you had really wonderful roommates Um, when I very first moved in I moved in with a set of roommates I didn't know any of them and two of them from Pennsylvania and I became really good friends with one of them we're still good friends today and that was very eye-opening for me to live with people who are not in the inner mountain west from and then I got to live with two of my sisters at different times there so that was really wonderful one got engaged when I lived with her so that was really fun I was on the folk dance team when I was at BYU which was just a super fun social as well as physical and I think it was just fun for me to be around so many people who just wanted to have good fun. At what point in all of this did you and Matt meet? Was it at school or was it after you graduated? Well I had graduated. I had moved to Mesa and worked for the Tribune and then I got a job offer from a company in Orem, Utah. So I came back, was in a singles ward and went on a lot of blind dates, and I was really kind of tired of dating students. I was kind of in a professional phase of my life, and I felt like a lot of the students I was dating were like, I don't know what I wanna do, I'm still trying to figure out my major, and I was like, ah. So Matt was actually still in school. We were set up on a blind date by um, mutual friends. They were nine plus months pregnant. We went on a double date with them. We had a fine time. It wasn't love at first sight, but then we dated a few times after that. And and for me, Matt was a man with a plan. And I just, that just, I loved that. I just felt a lot of confidence in that as well as our personalities really clicked. Where was he in school then at the point which you guys met? Well, he was in his last semester and then he was leaving for law school. So we dated kind of off and on and then he left. He wanted to find a single scene in New York. He went to New York to law school, then he came home the next summer and we kind of dated a little more seriously that summer and got engaged at the end of that summer. Did you move to New York Mm -hmm. then in terms of him being at school there? Yeah, then I moved to New York with him and that was just a spectacular experience. I just loved New York, loved the people we met, loved the church there. It was so different than any church experience I had had thus far. New York is filled with people who are all there for purpose, right? They're all there to like fulfill some kind of dream or goal or aspiration. And so it's really energizing to be around people like that. 
We loved it. We had a great, really great experience in New York. And were you still working in journalism at this yes. point as well? Yes, yes. I was working and it was, this will date us, but this was like the first sort of remote working. I mean, I was working as a technical writer and they're like, I think we can set you up in New York. You'll take a fax machine and you'll take a printer and, you know, and so, yeah, I had a little office in our studio apartment. How was the transition to the big city, you know, after after, after living in kind of a rural area? It I was, mean, Provo's a bit bigger, but not no, New York no. by any means, you know. <laughs> you know, or, it was a dramatic change. It really was. And it was so eye-opening and good for me in so many ways. So many ways. We lived on 125th Street, um, 116th and 125th, which is um, Malcolm X Drive, like, the start of Harlem basically. It was just such a different environment. All of a sudden to feel like a minority was a very new experience for me and really good. And our ward was just filled with very diverse professions, ages. Fast and Testimony meeting there was just so interesting. So after Matt finished at law school then, so then you moved to the Bay Area at that yeah. point? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then at the point at which you came to this area, is that when you started having kids or? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We moved here and we thought we'll just be here for a few years. We didn't have any family here, but it was going to be great work experience. And um, we were here for about a year and then we had our oldest, Gabriel, thought, okay, you know, we'll probably move here in a few years. And we looked actually like actively looked and just didn't work out and then we had Calvin and we were open again and then we had Vivian and at that point Gabriel started school and this was the place for us we had all of our children here bless them all in the chapel that we go to it's been a wonderful place for us and what was the transition to becoming a mom like I always say that I have five children and going from zero to one was the hardest transition for me. And I grew up with siblings, but when you become a parent, all of a sudden you just realize it's on me, right? At 24-7 for the rest of my life. It's a little overwhelming at first. Anybody who's a parent understands this, or anybody who loves a child understands. You, You feel so much love and so much anxiety at the same time for this person. It was a wonderful experience and also very challenging experience. Over your adult years, how would you say that your faith or testimony has evolved over that time period? I think that life's experience provides you with opportunity to really seek. And I think that has really helped me grow in my testimony experiences with my children difficult experiences um and then as we were talking before about patriarchal blessings incredibly spiritual experiences like that and then just being part of a ward family that you really know right you know people and you see some of the things they go through and you go through it with them i think that that really for me anyway has really deepened my love for the plan of salvation and my faith in it not just that these are nice thoughts but that they're reality that i can really count on them and i think that that even more now where the world tells us so much there's nothing really stable 
in the world, right? There's nothing, everything's sort of shifting. That's one of the things I love about President Nelson is he's so sure about the gospel, about Jesus Christ always being there. You can always count on him. I guess circle back, I feel like just through life's experiences, especially, I guess we'll see with, with my family, with my children, I've had reason to really seek for that same confirmation and knowledge that those, the principles of the gospel are real and there. In one of our recent meetings, Matt actually shared just a little bit about an experience you guys had with Gabriel during his mission and some of the trials that he faced in that context. If you're comfortable, maybe you could just say a little bit about what happened there, but also maybe the hand of the Lord and how that then played out. It's actually kind of a involved story, but I'll try and summarize it. Gabriel had been, he was our oldest, he got called to the Congo. He had been out for about a year. Matt had just left to go on a pretty intense trial. I was here with the other kids and I got a call. I was out one day and I got a call and I didn't recognize the number and I almost didn't answer it and I answered it and it was his mission president. And that was at the time when you talk to your missionary twice a year. It wasn't like, hey. And he just said, I just want to let you know, Gabriel wanted me to call you and tell you he's having some eye troubles. And he just said, we saw him last weekend, his eye was hurting, and we're gonna check in with him again, but he just wanted us to let you know. I, you know, kind of just took that information in, and then as I got thinking more about it, as the day went on, I was just like, what's happening here? And so I actually sent an email out to my family and just said, I just got this call, and so just remember Gabriel in your prayers. I had a nephew who was actually in medical school at the time and had done a residency with an ophthalmologist and he called me just said, well what do you know about this and I said here's all I know and he said I actually know somebody who I worked with who let me just see if he could answer some of your questions and over the course of like the next 10 days there was a lot of back and forth there was an ophthalmologist who was instrumental in in helping us he was in Rexburg he had friends at the University of Utah who worked in research, I researched there, and then there was Gabriel and his mission president. It's like he would email me in his morning and then I would wake up and it was his night and we were kind of exchanging emails and his eye just got worse and worse. And he went to the doctor over there, this very different medical system. It really got bad to the point where the mission president said, we're gonna send him to South Africa for medical help. But there were so many things along the way, it's hard to even describe one example. He was in the Congo, he was the, the senior missionary couple decided they just happened to be, he was in a very remote area, they just happened to be there. She went with him to the doctor. I was on the phone with the doctor in Rexburg. I said, here's what they're prescribing for him. He said, okay, I'd like to get on the phone with the woman that's going to the doctor with him. And I mean, just timing and timing wise, it just happened that he was awake late and they were there at a certain time. And so he talked to her. She said, I'm actually in the room with Gabriel right now. They'd like to give him a shot in his eye. This is what it is. He said, tell me about the sanitary conditions there. Tell me about what they're going to give him. And he said, I want you to leave right now. I don't want you to do that. I want you to get him on a plane to South Africa. He needs immediate attention. That whole timing just 
doesn't just happen. Yeah. And there were so many people here who I, I went to a court of honor and I happened to sit next to somebody who is no longer in our ward and she just said, how's Gabriel? And, and I was sort of feeling okay about things at that point. And she said, and she actually is a research scientist and she said, I, I don't know, I would, I would check on that. And I just happened to see a member of the bishopric who I, after that, and I just said, hey, this is all I'm, I'm trying to work on, on this kind of by myself. He said, I actually would get more involved if I were you. There were just little voices. And Matt was at this trial and somebody he was on the trial with actually knew an ophthalmologist at UCSF who when Gabriel came home, we actually got in with that. I mean, just so many little, it was a really difficult time, a really, really hard time. Matt's dad had actually just passed away, but it was hands down, Heavenly Father is aware of each person and timing. There's no doubt about that to me. Maybe just one last question. I mean, you are now our Young Women's President. As you think about the experiences that you've had over the course of your life, if you did have the opportunity to go back and maybe have a conversation with yourself as a young woman, are there certain things that you might say to your younger self, if you will, during those years? I think I would probably say life will turn out better than you think it will. Different different than you think it will, but trust. Actually, just have never felt disappointed in following the prophet, you know? And I think trust that your life will be great. It'll be different than you think, but don't worry. I think I probably had a lot of worries when I was younger and, you know, what, what was life gonna look like? How was this? And just look forward, look forward to life. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being a part of this. I know you've been in our ward through the various boundary changes and all that for a really long time. So some people probably know you quite well, but other people are you know, still new in our ward or maybe don't know you as well. So hopefully they'll take this as an opportunity to come say hi and introduce yeah. themselves. And um, if they play their cards right, maybe they can uh, find out a little bit more about some of those stories at uh, <laughs> BYU with the newspaper. So. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks again. Thank you.